Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking about all things EdTech coaching. There is inconsistency in the way EdTech coaches are structured. Some support a single school, some support a few schools, while others may support 20 or more. Because my personal experiences as an EdTech coach and as a director were with this one coach, one school model, I thought I'd bring together a panel of coaches from different backgrounds to discuss why every school needs an EdTech coach. I want to thank you all for joining me. Um, If you could please uh, state your name and where you work and what you do. All right. My name is Cami Kanikins, and I am from uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. And so um, to give you some context, that is right above Montana, if that helps anybody out. So I'm I'm in the mountain time zone, um, that part of Canada. My actual job title is instructional coach and my job description doesn't have um, the full technology bit in it, but that is what I spend most of my job doing because that's what most of my teachers seem to want to have help with. So that has ended up being lots of my job. So instructional coach with lots of technology on the side. So that's, that's me. Yeah, hi, Marcus Tanner, uh, originally from Australia, but currently working at Harare International School in Zimbabwe. Uh, so job title here is uh, Technology Integration Specialist. So we're a K-12 school of about 370 students. So my job is to basically be the guide on the side and uh, be that go-to person when people have a, have a tech question and to sort of help with the management of the tech department uh as well um so i've been at this school this is my end of my second year uh prior to this i kicked off my international teaching up in uh mali uh, at bamako american international school of bamako and uh prior to that i was a uh, classroom teacher and a few other odds and ends uh back in queensland australia hi i'm debbie tannenbaum i am our title is called a school-based technology specialist which is affectionately called SBITS at my school i hate the title um, but I am an ed tech coach in an elementary school in um, Northern Virginia, and I am finishing up my third year in that position and my, I guess, 21st year in education. And I basically just help my um, teachers and students learn how to navigate this world of technology in this crazy time we're in. Okay, so uh, my name is Diane Mapes, and I am an ed tech TSA in corona california southern california and um i have i have uh, 32 years teaching experience and i started uh last year as or this past year as an ed tech coach so um i just was kind of doing my thing and getting ready to retire and uh, uh one of the teachers came in from another school and showed us a couple of cool things and it was like i want to do that and I, you know, I played with technology a little bit, some little things, nothing too major, uh, you know, just a little bit here and there and um, kind of caught the fever and I just went from there and I went crazy. <laughs> Hi, my name is Heidi Shorter. I am what's called a technology teacher. I work in an elementary school in Howard County, Maryland, and kids actually come to my class each week. So I actually have instruction that I do from K to five. Every student in the school gets technology class, similar to having physical education or music class. They also go to technology class. And um, I teach some classes half an hour, some classes have an hour each week. Um, 
it, the position has been in place for about 14 years. And I've said from the very beginning, I feel like what's happening is technology gets, because of you know the fact that we have a class, technology becomes, oh, you get tech in that class and that's where you have tech and tech doesn't really belong anywhere else. And so I've been saying from the beginning, I think we need to be integrated and I think we need to be, help coach a lot of the teachers. However, I'm, I spend most of my days teaching actual classes that come to my room, but at the same time, I'm also, especially with the way COVID hit and the way everything had to go online, I quickly became the instructional coach unofficially um, with still having the duties of teaching my own classes. So I've really seen the need, especially in the past year, increase dramatically with the fact that teachers just don't have the instruction to be able to implement it the right way. And I think that is a great segue right into our big question for tonight. Um, and you guys just talk as you feel, um, but why should every school have an ed tech coach? I'll start. I just think it's so important because we right now are in an, an age where there's so technology is changing so quickly. And we really want to make sure that as we're looking at technology, that we're using technology in a meaningful way. And by in my district, we have tech coaches in every building. And by doing that, we enable, and some of what we do is like what Heidi does where I work as part of the master schedule, but we're able to then help teachers. They have so much on their plates already. We're able to really strategically help them learn how to use that technology in a meaningful way and help their students. So we can amplify the impact of what we know by passing it on to those teachers and students. So I think it's important that we kind of understand how everybody is situated. So Debbie, you're saying that you have an ed tech coach in every single building as we're starting this discussion. Um, Heidi, you're saying you have no ed tech coaches in your building and you're a technology teacher. Is that correct? That is correct. There's no official coach, but I will say, you know, today I'm teaching and kids are just coming in my room all day long. Teachers are coming in my room all day long with an open computer saying, um, 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 because they have nowhere else to go. So while I'm teaching, I'm also helping, you know, to troubleshoot. And that doesn't even touch on the coaching and having the explaining to the teachers how to implement the technology. Marcus, Cami, are you guys... Um one coach, one school kind of setup, or do you guys have multiple schools? Uh, in, in my situation, yeah, one coach, one school. Um, I feel like a big part of my role is to actually act as a filter uh, because there's obviously so many different types of tech coming in that sometimes uh, teachers get a little bit overwhelmed with uh, what's the most appropriate tech to use in a particular situation. So rather that, because I don't have scheduled classes, I'm not part of the master timetable, as some people are, I'm the one who's got the time to sit down and twiddle the knobs on, so to speak, on a, on a piece of software or on a piece of tech and figure out if it's fit for purpose um, or to figure out what else is needed to make it work effectively in the classroom. Like Marcus, I do lots of, of that figuring piece. My situation's a little bit different. I'm actually a district coach, and so I have about 20 schools that I, I go to and I travel quite a lot. I'm from a rural school district. So if I were to drive from one end to the other, if I hopped in my car, it would take over four hours to get from one end to the other and then about three hours to go from east to west. So um, part of my role is you know, to get to each of those schools. Some 
want me more than others. I have big schools that have enough, you know, other bodies in where they can help out with, um, you know, they, there's a Heidi at their school, right? So they can go to the Heidi and say, what about this? But I have some other tiny schools that maybe only have 30 students from a K to nine environment. And so for those schools, I'm, I'm an extra set of hands. I'm, I'm that teacher that helps them to try the new things or is really even able to just be there to take some of the load off when they want to try a new project. I can, I can help out um, and really facilitate. So um, I, I have quite an interesting job in that regard. Yeah, I had a similar one back in the early 2000s in the Torres Strait where I was supporting 14 schools in the Torres Strait Islands. So every school was had to fly to it. Uh, there was one school that was only accessible by helicopter. So that was always fun. <laughs> I would be scheduling that once a week just to, <laughs> just to go to that school, just jump in the helicopter. Um, so since... Um, go ahead. I was just going to say that our... As far as tech coaches go in our elementary schools until this year, if you had under 500 kids, you had a halftime coach and then those per that person was split. And um, because of COVID and because of the fact that we're going one-to-one -one, now, every school will have one, have a tech coach. But that's a relatively new thing in our district for everyone to have one because it is, you know, they had to make sure that they had to make it a priority. And since now elementary school will be joining going one-to-one -one in the fall they decided it was a priority and we something you know we needed to put the money towards that to make sure every school has one so that's a relatively new thing but in the elementary schools we are allowed to as part of 10 hours of our 40 hours be on the master schedule and so many times i'm ending up teaching technology classes like heidi is um, and then trying to use the rest of that time to really fit in that coaching and co-teaching Okay, so I'm even more excited now knowing that everybody has that background of either not having a, a specific coach just for the school um, or having uh, supported multiple schools and then also supported a singular school. So I guess I'm going to pose the question again. <laughs> um, why should every school have an ed tech coach? Okay, um, so because I'm in a school where I'm actually teaching the technology and I can see, you know, I plan a lot with the teachers as to, okay, what are you studying now? And I may take some of their science curriculum and implement a science lesson, or I may implement something that they're doing in math. But again, I feel like the kids are, are feeling like, well, that just happens in technology. They are noticing the connection as far as the curriculum, but if that could happen on a more consistent basis, and the fact that now, like Debbie, all of our classes and schools in the elementary level are going one-to-one, -one, I feel like this is the perfect time for this, you know, in a lot of schools in the country, let's face it, because of COVID, ended up going one-to-one, -one, and it's the time. Like, now is the perfect time because in the past, it was, well, I'd love to learn some of the things that you do, but I don't have the technology in my classroom, or I don't have access to any of those things that you do because I'm in a classroom and I have, you know, three computers that sit in the back. Now, teachers do have a much greater opportunity than they had in the past. It's one of those, like, 
hidden benefits of this pandemic, the fact that now we do have these students who have these devices that are in their hands now, they are not afraid whatsoever. They are ready to go. They're digital natives. They're the ones that have been growing up with it. And the teachers don't have, a lot of the teachers don't have the experience the students have. And so the students are teaching the teachers. And as a coach, to be able to go in and work, or like Marcus said, or like Cami, look at some of the curriculum and be the person that can help design it, that can take that piece off of the teacher having to learn it all. You know, if you think about a coach, a coach is there to help and guide you to learn things along the way. They're not, you know, you're not dropping them off at the coach and then walking away. You're watching what the coach is doing or the coach is helping you and teaching you and guiding you. And I really feel like it could just, this is just the time because all of these kids who are ready have it in their hands and the teachers need to be able to keep up. And I also feel like, I don't know about anybody else here, but my teachers have grown so much out of necessity this past year. My teachers know how to think, know, know how to do things this year that it would have taken me five, six, seven years to teach them in the past. And so right now we're kind of in this really, you know, golden moment where people have learned things and they're realizing that technology can help them. And so we really want to kind of try to capitalize on the fact that they're not as afraid because they actually had to do some of it. That has really changed how teachers think about technology, hasn't it? And totally, you know, along with what Heidi and, and Debbie said, teachers are ready right now. Uh, just after Christmas, I was planning to want to run a Google level one training. I thought, you know, based on past experience that I might have maybe a dozen teachers from my district. Um, in the final push, I had over 60 teachers sign up and I had over 55 attend on a weekly basis on an average. And that was like mind blowing. My, my bosses, my superiors, they, they didn't really believe, believe it almost. And I've had teachers that have gone ahead and finished the level one and done the certification and done the test. And they're like, well, when is level two gonna be? And so that has been just you know a wonderfully positive thing um, because you know, finally, it's like the, the teachers are, are ripe for wanting that. And that, you know, like Debbie's alluded to, that's kind of been a tough push at, at times. But, the, you know, the, one of those silver linings of, of COVID, I guess, perhaps. Hey. Hi, Diane. Welcome. Hi. Sorry, I was on a phone call and I couldn't get off of it. It's all right. We, we kind of started into the conversation. And if you just jump in and then at the end, I'll have you do your introduction and then I'll edit it. Okay. Okay, no problem. So, Marcus, I saw you unmute and mute a couple of times. Yeah, I've just got a couple of different thoughts sort of as the conversation proceeds. Um, and this might be sort of a different thread that we can come back to later if it's appropriate. But sometimes I think the role of an ed tech coach also includes being that buffer between admin and the classroom. Um, it's uh, Our school is pretty fortunate. Our, our director of tech is also a, a former classroom teacher. So he kind of gets it. But I imagine in some schools, if you get someone who's come from, let's call it a purely tech background, and they want to sort of drive all these initiatives, they don't often understand the impact that's going to have on, on a classroom. So ed tech coaches typically are people with education backgrounds who've come from the classroom who can sort of look at an initiative and just go, yeah, that's going to work or no. You know, yes, that's that's fantastic. They sort of put that reality of what's going to fit with the day-to-day -day reality of, of being in a classroom. And then the other point I wanted to sort of bring up was um, 
I've seen it dubbed as the pandemic slide. So teachers are just so overwhelmed with how much tech they've had to deal with in a very short period of time that it's just like, okay, step off. I'm going to go back and uh, uh, go go back to what I know. Uh, and uh, so I'm, I'm finding myself that occasionally it's a bit of a struggle to sort of, you know, teachers are like, no, no, get out. <laughs> I'm done with tech for the moment. Um, uh, so how do we sort of leverage all these games that we've made uh, as a result of, of the pandemic and having to sort of have this rapid uptake of tech uh, and go from there. Marcus, I totally agree with you. I feel like if there's not that push or someone coaching these teachers of, okay, now you've gone full force tech before you didn't have any. Now, how can we have that happy medium? How can we continue to grow on what you all have learned this past year and not have that attitude of, okay, I'm done. I did it. I did it because I needed to. I don't need to do it anymore because these kids do need that consistent exposure in a positive way and the correct way. You know, and that's a whole nother part of the conversation is, you know, some of the digital citizenship that just does not get looked at or does not get introduced because from the teachers because they just don't understand it or just don't know it and so these students when they do have it are learning habits or you know different skills that maybe they shouldn't be using or shouldn't do you know and a coach can help in that area as well so let me help you combine it and combine it in the appropriate way so these kids are learning from the youngest of ages how to use it as a tool and make it you know, enhance what they're doing. We, they're so my district, and I also um, think that it's just so important. My, I came from a high as school. we've started to go back into our buildings more, then people are like, well, we're in our buildings, we don't need to use the tech. And I see things like Pear Deck packets. And I see people trying to do things so that their kid because they said, oh, the kids are coming back in the building, they don't need to use the computer, they're going to get real interaction. And understanding that there are some things that tech you know, like you were, you know, Heidi was talking, the tech really benefits. And then there are some things that are going to be best face-to-face, -face, but I don't think all teachers understand that blend between the two when it comes to that. And that's a huge thing that ed tech coaches are going to really need to dig, dip, dig deep into um, in the coming year, because teachers need to know how to leverage the technology and then leverage the face-to-face -face and make that good blend. Um, can I just wanted to jump in here, um, and I'm, I'm one year as an ed tech coach. This is my uh, 32nd year in education, and um, so I, I became an ed tech coach this year at the district, and prior to that, my high school was the second high school we were getting ready to go BYOD, and so we were in, we had an ed tech team on our campus, and it was, how are we going to get these teachers on board? And we came up with, everybody's going to use. LMS per day to get those kids saying, you know, every teacher is going to, you know, require that. Well, then we go one to one and we had all of these meetings when we were, we were going back to school, then we weren't going back to school. It was a mess, and we started having these meetings, and teachers, elementary teachers especially, were saying, when I go back, my I'm not going to have my kids bring their computers. 
And it's like, that's that's not the point, you guys. <laughs> we're we're one to one. We're we have been one to one now. I mean, everybody's one to one now. So everybody's got, you know, everybody's got the ability, everybody's got the capability. And so I brought up to the admin or the, the directors uh, at the district and I said, you know, we have to make sure that there's an ed tech coach or somebody at the each school to oversee this. We can't put this on the admin to do it. It has to be, you know, the admin's got other stuff they're dealing with. We need to be, you know, have ed tech teams. That's exactly why I wanted us to have this panel discussion um, was some of my dissertation research was on um, the differences in ed tech coaches and how they're structured. And so I'm really excited about how, how this team came out because I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure how everybody was structured, but um, you know, I've met people who have, uh, who are district wide, who essentially are supposed to support 139 schools. And then I've met people who support one school. And then I've met people who support five schools. And I met people who support 10. And the, the numbers are just are just crazy. So I guess my next question is, what is the difference between supporting multiple schools, whatever that number may be, and being based at a singular school and being able to support just those teachers in that single school. What is what is the big difference if we were talking so that um, superintendents or boards of ed or legislatures could hear us? Um, what is the major difference between those two types of structures? I'll pop in and, and start out with that because in my district, there's um, some, some of our leaders feel that we don't really need an ed tech coach uh, hence, we don't have that specific position. I just end up doing that. Um, the the thought is, oh, we've got the IT guys, and the IT guys can do the training, and the IT guys can. And I just am like, well, yes, they could teach you what buttons to push and how to use the program, but that is not what we need. We don't need teachers to know how to push the buttons. They can watch a YouTube video and and figure that out themselves. Although certainly, you know, some training helps. What we need is someone like an ed tech coach, someone who knows the classroom, who knows pedagogy, who knows the learning, right? And so in my role as an ed tech coach, it's not just about the tools, although of course I'm gonna show you how to use them and help you out, but I'm gonna show you, okay, well, you could use this tool to meet this educational goal. And you know, Flipgrid can help with this assistive piece. And, and, and really it's about the learning. Like we all know it's not about the, the tools, it's about the learning. And so that's where an ed tech coach becomes so valuable over, I'm not going to say just an IT person because IT people are so important as well, but an IT person who knows how to push the buttons can't do the role of an ed tech coach who knows the curriculum and who knows the pedagogy and who knows the classroom. So knowing the classroom is just huge. And I was just going to add into that. One of the things that I've been finding a challenge in my role is that because we're called technology specialists, is that sometimes people expect the ed tech coach to be the tech support person. And, you know, there is a big difference between someone who's there for tech support and someone who's there to integrate technology into instruction. And it's definitely something I deal with on a pretty regular basis trying to make that distinction. But the more devices we have in the building, the IT person needs to deal with that hardware part. 
but then the teachers, we don't want them just sitting there like, you know, a treadmill can sit in someone's bedroom. We want people to understand how they can use it meaningfully and not just use them for electronic worksheets. And so, you know, I got my master's in technology. So I, you know, and I've continued to stay up with all of the things. So I know those things, but my teachers might not know those things. So it's really important to give them small strategic steps to help them understand that and help, you know, and if you're in several buildings, you're not getting to build that same quality of relationships. And just like we need to build relationships with our students, we need to, as ed tech coaches, build relationships with our teachers because sometimes I'll be that IT person so I can build that relationship and then, you know, go in with the pedagogy and the ed tech stuff later. But if you're in several buildings, you're kind of just more just doing what you're, you're kind of, it's just not going to have that same impact. And our kids need to be able to do these things growing up because we have no idea what jobs are going to look like, especially when our little ones um, graduate. So I want to jump in here. Um, my district, uh, when they started this, this new school year, um, we had, we offered a virtual and it, it was, you're going face to face or you're virtual. And virtual was a program, Edgenuity. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, so they didn't train us. I got the job in August. Um, we had one EdTech TSA and we went to four EdTech TSA. So we have a early L, a upper L, and then I'm high school and the other one is uh, special ed in high school. And so here we come into this job and they started this Edgenuity. They didn't give anybody any training on it. It was like, here's this program and you're going to have, you know, however many students you're going to have, you know, 200 students. And okay. <laughs> we were literally triage until like, like probably February or March. And now it's just now slowing down and just now getting to the little small one-off problems. And it, we got a bad rap. We got a bad reputation because we couldn't solve all these problems. Well, you know, what good are you? You can't solve this problem. And that wasn't really what we were hired to do. We, we called it, I call this the triage unit because that's all we were doing was triage all day long and helping people with problems and solving, you know, why do you have, you know, two kids enrolled in the same class or, you know, one kid enrolled in the same class twice or whatever, it was just bad. And we weren't getting to do what we, what we were trained to do and what we wanted to do. And just like um, you said earlier, uh, it's all about relationships. And once they trust you, they're going to listen to you. And if you're at a school and you're one person at a school, you can build those relationships and they can see, hey, that worked for, for Diane. I want to see what she's doing. And you can go in there and build that relationship and help them, you know, integrate the technology. Whereas if you're at the district, there's just so many teachers that when you try to help them, you know, you're, you're not, you're 100% because you're got so many teachers you're helping. Um, so we've developed, we're actually in the process of developing this as digital wizards. We, we're coming up with a different name, but there's going to, it's like a paid position at the schools. And they can actually log hours. So it's, it's like our touch point at each school. And we're going to let go and, and kind of pitch this program to every school and say, hey, you know, give us, not necessarily give us the person that is, can integrate the technology the best, but the person that's going to be able to rally the troops and get 
all the teachers on board and, and get everybody using it. Um, I think when you look at a coach, I mean, again, I, I keep going back to the definition of, or the at least my idea of a coach, that it's somebody who helps guide you and show you things along the way. And if you're a coach that's bouncing from school to school, how are you going to be able to guide people along the way when you're there every third Tuesday? Like it just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in between. And to be able to be there and build, um, like Diane was saying, build that relationship with those teachers so that you can build that trust. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of like as a coach, your school is your classroom. You've got your teachers, you know, that are part of your class and you are the teacher of that classroom. If your class is too big, you know, think about that classroom management. You can't get to all those kids or all those teachers and be effective if you're spread too thin. And so to be able to have a coach that can make those connections and, you know, build that relationship and build that core and also someone who knows the curriculum, I just feel like it's a win-win to be able to have somebody at each, you know, would you take a baseball team and say, here, you're going to have a coach every third Tuesday, go play the game and see how you do. And I also think that has to do with a lot, how many kids you have. We're in elementary school. We have about a thousand kids. We have some middle schools that have just as much. And, you know, making sure if you have a school that has, you know, 2000 kids and you have one tech coach, and then there's another elementary school that has 400, well, you want to make sure that you're having that access. The bigger your school is, the more spread out that coach is as far as, you know, their impact and their potential. And so really looking at that and making sure you're really strategic about how, you know, that person is integrated. Are they going to be used like Heidi and I are used as part of the master schedule where they're basically in a lot of ways babysitting? Um, or are they going to be used so that they can go in, teach teachers how to do things? Teachers are teaching students at the same time, and then teachers can then go out of that environment and continue to, with another group, share that knowledge as well. We don't have enough, at least in my district, we just don't have enough time for. PD sessions, and PD sessions tend to be one size fits all. By having an ed tech coach, you're really able to tailor it to what teachers need and do some of that embedded PD, and that's much more engaging than a PD session before or after school. Yeah, and to sort of jump in on that last point you're making uh, about that sort of targeted PD, um, yeah, no, one size fits all doesn't, doesn't work. I mean, I've over the last, I don't know, however many years, it's sort of been my aim has been to deliver just in time rather than just in case support. And so, if you're sort of one person in one school, that's a lot easier because obviously you've got you know um, the ability to get from from person to person or classroom to classroom, and and deliver that support. But at the same time, working across the district can be kind of cool too because you can help schools build connections and build that sort of collaboration and provide alternate audiences or alternate resources. Uh, I, I imagine um, that, 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 you know, if, if you've got like a big diverse area like um, a Cami does, then, you know, obviously it's going to be some sort of regional differences almost within that district. Uh, and so you sort of got an insight into what those resources are and help people make those connections. For sure. And, and, you know, because I have, I have some really tiny schools, right? We're talking like triple graded. So a teacher teaches grade one, two, and three, and the next teaches four, five, and six. And there's only three teachers in the whole school. They would never afford a full-time or even a part-time or even a bit of a time tech coach. So instead of giving someone like you have 0.1 of the 
your position to be the tech coach. I, I have that role. And I think it's probably more beneficial because I can, I can pour uh, myself into the learning and learning the tools and learning what, what's working. And then I really try to take care of my tiny schools. I have, you know, those teachers or those, those leaders, they have not just my email, but they have my text number. And so if it's like, ah, oh, Kelly, what, what, what do I do here? Or this isn't working. I try to, you know, I go to them first, right? So they're, I'm almost like a, an extra body for them. And we've built wonderful relationships. And I really work on the relationships with those, those tiny schools. I want to support those leaders. And so, you know, it, when, when the kids see me coming at those little schools, it's like, oh, Mrs. Kanikins is here today. Do you have the virtual reality? Did you bring the breakout boxes? You know, so I do some really fun stuff. But we've also done some really pro uh, some really neat projects where I've been able to come into their rooms and it's not a every Tuesday, you know, of the third week. It's like I might stay for two days in a row or or come back as needed and we build the projects and it's quite flexible. But uh, that that's been something that has been really valuable. My role has allowed me to um, go deeper into schools instead of, you know, a person that just has a tiny little fraction of their job that's tech. So that's worked well in our situation with some small schools. That's interesting because I don't think I've thought of some schools as having only three teachers. So I guess if you had, that'd be a little bit of an overkill. So then the question is, is it more so like what is a reasonable number of teachers in that scenario, as opposed to maybe a, a, a single singular school? Um, because our schools, I mean, we're looking at um, anywhere from, you know, 30 to 100 teachers in some of these schools that I've worked in. I've never worked at a school with only three, three teachers. That, that sounds fun, actually. Everything has its own set of challenges and opportunities, right? So there are some huge benefits to those tiny, tiny schools, but they have some immense challenges as well, of course. Oh, yeah. But I also think that part of an ed tech, and we haven't really discussed this, is yes, we're helping teachers with their students. But another big part of my role as an ed tech coach is also to empower my teachers to take advantage of all the amazing learning opportunities that are around us. You know, let, letting them know, okay, Pear Deck's having a pair fair. If you want to learn more about that, you can. Or saying to them, there's this free training that you can go to. Some of them, maybe I'm doing, some of them, maybe I'm not. But also, you know, sharing with my, my teachers, they don't have to do this alone. They can connect with educators around the world, really pushing that idea of being a connected educator. And if they're unfamiliar with Twitter or they're scared about using Twitter, show them how to use that as a tool to help them be a better educator. So yes, it's important to help our teachers help our students, but we also have to help our teachers help themselves and become you know, model that lifetime learning, model that risk-taking for their students, because that's just as important as using the tools. I totally agree. I think in the past when we've had professional development and you get feedback or teachers, you know, people ask, what do you need when you have your planning time or what do you need? And almost every single teacher says, I need time with my colleagues. I need time so that we can talk about things, time so that we can plan, and time so that I can learn. And if an ed tech coach can work with you and give you that time to look at things, and like Debbie said, oh, I know about a tool that you could use for this. You don't have to, or the teacher doesn't have to take that time out of their own schedule and try to research, oh, what's a way that I could import video, or what's a way that I can can, you know, 
uh, find out more about this tool, you can be that catalyst for the teacher and help really enhance that time that teachers are always asking for and always craving because you can then spearhead that time and make it much more beneficial and usable be, by suggesting and you know helping them to implement things that they don't have to research. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, this is, I think, getting back to the point I was making earlier is that I act as that filter. I'm also the person who makes all the mistakes. So, you know, I sort of get that new piece of tech or that new software, and then I'm the one who sits with it for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes an hour, whatever, figures out what all the pitfalls are. So then, and then pass on the sort of the final product to the teachers. So then they don't have to go through that learning curve. I've done the learning curve for them. Um, there's some disadvantage to that. I mean, sometimes you learn more when you make the mistakes rather than just being told how to do something. But, uh, but yeah, it, and it's sort of figuring out, will our infrastructure support this kind of thing and sort of finding those pitfalls rather than sort of uh, a time poor teacher trying to, to learn how to do something. And sometimes they're sort of learning as they go and then having their lesson collapse because a piece of tech didn't work. Um, so sort of being that person who's got the time to actually uh, to do it. And as you know, some of this tech support stuff is a lot of watching spinning rainbows on your screen. Uh, so waiting for stuff to load. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm the, I'm the person in our school who's got the time to do that or, you know, is responsible for doing that. I think my favourite part of w when I was an ed tech coach was um, we had – a teacher who would implement something um, that whether it would redesign their class entirely or if it was just integrating something new for the first time. And I was able to go in and co-teach the lesson with them. So we would co-plan and then I would co-teach and then I would take all of the technical questions, hiccups, all of that. And then the teacher was able to just focus on the curriculum and the students and the activities that we were doing as opposed to having to feel, cause I remember as an English teacher, I was trying to do blogs in the classroom and my blog platform, like the kids found all the things that would break that, that day that I started, <laughs> I was like, Hey, let's, let's do this. And then they start working on it. And then it was, well, this isn't working. What about that? And how about this? And I just remember kind of like having that panic moment um, in the classroom. I've got 35 kids staring at me. And this kid actually needs help with their writing. But these 10 kids need help with something on the technical side that I haven't yet broken myself. So I'm not 100% sure how to fix it. And I just remember that rising panic. And I, I think that's one of the most powerful things to me is being able to be in and co-teach or be there and help to support that change. Because as you guys hinted to, and I want us to go back to, is that teachers have used technology now. A lot of them have not used technology and then they've come in and used nothing but technology all year so we can keep all of the kids away from each other. And now what's the next thing? And how do you get those instructional practices in there if you don't have somebody helping you set that up? So I'm thinking of like blended learning environments. How do you get a teacher to do a blended environment when they might be, they might have been scared to even try Pear Deck until they were forced to try it or scared to try an LMS. We had some teachers that didn't even have an LMS until COVID hit. But if they were scared to do that, how are we going to move them into blended learning without somebody there with them? And I, 
I think my biggest fear is that because we're going one-to-one -one and we've had devices for this whole year. And so teachers have kind of been winging it with my help is that we're going to do one size fits all. The district's going to provide one size fits all. This is blended learning. And that's really not what I want to do. We have a unique experience. Our district's providing our school 135 hours of paid time to create resources for this summer, which is awesome. Unfortunately, all of my teachers are so tired that they're burnt out. And, you know, I want to make sure that the way they learn about bl what blended learning is, is a meaningful way. And it's not just, okay, I'm checking this box off in our PD system, because I feel like a lot of learning we expect teachers to do is a check the box and it can't be a check the box if we want it to be meaningful. I think too, it would be, it's interesting for a district. I mean, here's all of these districts now that have put all of this funding, all of this money into these devices. And I almost want to turn it to the district and say, well, now what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to support this? Are you going to take all of this money and then just let it sit in the corner in the classroom because the teachers technically don't have to use it anymore? I mean, we did a complete 360. So let's kind of, you know, uh, seesaw back a little bit and say, okay, now what can we do with all of these devices and all of this money that you've put into this? Let's not make it go to waste and kind of, you know, put it back on them and give them the question, okay, now what's going to happen? And, you know, hopefully, you know, with a solution or some ideas of a tech coach, they can start to open their eyes and realize that it's just so needed because, like Debbie said, teachers were forced into it. Okay, I learned it because I was forced into it. Well, when I'm not forced into it, maybe I could be coached into it and it could really end up shining and having a huge benefit. I mean, we just have to invest in people. And if you're investing in a tech coach, you're investing in all of the people in your building because that person is going to give everyone in your building what they need versus just, you know, I feel like this year we had lots of money thrown at us. We have second monitors. We have document cameras. We have all these fancy things from our CARES Act money. We don't need things. We need people who are going to help other people make that leap that we need them to make. Well, my, my district um, offered teachers uh, over the summer, um, I think it was, I want to say 12 hours, uh, and we literally trained on everything. And it wasn't just the ed tech coaches or the people who ended up becoming ed tech coaches. It was, it was opened up to anybody in the district. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow Amanda Sandoval at all on Twitter. Uh, she's in my district. Uh, cat buyers, Amanda Sandoval, cat buyers, and we were just literally throwing just so much PD out there. My, I found out and discovered that I had several people that I knew that were teachers with me that would just turn it on and walk away. <laughs> and yeah, so, cause that, so they could get their, paid for their 12 hours instead of actually you know, getting something out of the professional development. Um, and uh, it was a Cami that said, you know, that the we're saying to the district, well, what are you going to do now? That's what the district's telling us. Well, what now? What are you going to do now? To the ed tech coaches, it's like, uh, okay, so we want to do all this PD, but we can't. There's no more in-person PD in our district. Now that they've figured out that you can do a one hour zoom and and take care of it that's all they're going to authorize now 
So where prior we would have a professional development, uh, at least at least three or four hours where you'd learn it and then you'd get to play with it. So you were able to do something with it that you could use the next day instead of, okay, I learned it. Now I have to go out on my own and create stuff. Um, so I think that's professional development. It was kind of hurt in that way, but it was also kind of helped too because now you can provide more. But if you're going to limit the amount that teachers can do and it, you're going to pay for, I mean, teachers aren't going to do it. They're not, I, I don't want to be negative here, but, it, you know, I'm not going to do it on my own. I had somebody, somebody uh, say something, ask them about professional development, if they were going to help with it. And they're like, well, if I'm going to get paid, I'll do it. So I don't know. I just, I, I'm, it's going to be an interesting year next year. Um, our virtual school, we, so the, the district is not offering the virtual option except for an entire school. So we now have a K-12 virtual school. And before it was, well, if you're face-to-face -face and you want to go to virtual, you can. If you're virtual and you want to go back face-to-face, -face, you can. Now it's, if you're going to be virtual, you are virtual the whole year. You cannot switch back and forth. Uh, and the high school's face to I guess I'm assuming we're all going to go back face to face uh, with wait I, I don't know California goes back on with June 15th we're gonna you know get new mandates so we'll have to wait and see how it's going to work out and what the school districts are going to do with it it'll be interesting isn't it interesting that your district has decided that all PD has to be virtual where Every time you turn on the television, they talk about face-to-face -face instruction as best practice. And if it's, you know, talk about a double-track agenda. If something is good for our students, we should be using it for our teachers and employees. Right? Yeah. I mean, how much PD do we do that doesn't actually model best practice? <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I'm in an interesting situation where our school doesn't answer to a district. We, we answer to the school community and that's it. We, we don't have essentially a whole, we, we have like the IB and uh, the other accreditation agencies that we answer to in, in that sense, but we don't have mandates coming down from on high saying, this is how much PD you have to offer. This is how you're going to offer it. So we're very fortunate in that respect. But the, the other thing I've noticed is that it's one strand of PD among many strands of PD that are required in a school. And we just seem to have something new added each year. So, um, you know, there's, there's only, uh, as a former director of mine, once uh, used the analogy of, you know, you've got a dinner plate. There's only so much that you can put on that plate before stuff spill, starts spilling over the side. And, you know, something's got to give and sometimes it's tech. So, you know, uh, how do you provide what's needed in amongst everything else? And I guess that's where our tech coaches come in, sort of, particularly if they're in school. Uh, it doesn't have to be that sort of one hour on a Wednesday afternoon that's set aside for tech. You can be, you know, I've got some free time, so I'll wander into a classroom and, oh, look, you're doing this today. Okay, so uh, let me see how I can help with this and, and provide that just in time. Uh, support. So when I started here in Harare, uh, uh, as people were talking about before, that building relationships, I discovered pretty quickly that I couldn't just sort of just come in guns blazing, you know, hey, let's do all this stuff. So I sort of changed tack a little bit and uh, actually did uh, walkthroughs and just 
would just go and stand in a classroom, no agenda whatsoever, not there to offer any tech support or any sort of uh, PD or anything like that. It was just walk in, have a look at how the teacher was sort of running the class, have a bit of a get a bit of an idea of uh, what the curriculum was and. Um, what I was able to then see was make those connections between classrooms. Okay, so classroom A is doing this and classroom B is doing this. What are the connections there? And so how best can I support all these teachers? So I had to spend quite a bit of time just building relationships. And I did that just by being that body up the back of the classroom, just watching what was going on. Ashley mentioned the co-teach model. And I think, you know, that is kind of working probably what Marcus ended up doing right that co-teach where you've got those relationships and so you can you can go into a teacher's class and co-teach that lesson you can do the tech lifting um leave the pedagogy to them and it, there's just this relief right that you're in there if the if the you know the kids can't get to the blog or the link doesn't work or the whatever uh that you know cammy or heidi will take care of that and i'll just i'll do the i'll do the english i'll do the the writing and there's a person there to to deal with that. And so that actually is a form of PD that we can offer, right? And and if you're actually in a school, then you're able to do that. In my situation, I've really gone to individual short bits of PD, choice boards, PD bingo, uh, things that my teachers can, can do kind of on demand when they have time. In my district, because we're so physically huge, actually being able to offer zoom or google meet pd has been really good because my teachers might have to drive two hours to get to a session and so um that's actually opened up great new opportunities we can do an after school 20 minute google meet tech pd session and teachers will come for that they'll say hey i wanted to check that out you're doing a session great um i'll check it out and then i'll i'll play later so you know it's it's that mix it's we've all talked about individualizing the pd and trying to make it more personal um, so co-teaching, individualizing, those are all so important with the relationships. I think with the coaching relationship, with that ed tech coach being available for the teachers, again, whether it's um, that, that small school size, you really threw a wrench in my thought process there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Three teachers. Um, anyway, so, but if you have that accessibility, they know that that PD is leading somewhere, right? It's not a, I remember sitting in PD sessions and I still sit in PD sessions where I, I'm, I'm watching something and I'm going, okay, and then, and how do I do this? And what what's the next step? And I can watch it and I can try but then I'm hesitant to try because I'm in there all by myself. So I, I think that we, that that is the benefit of the coach is the PD leads to something and you are somebody that they can reach out and go, okay, you showed me this thing two, three months ago that did, I didn't need at the moment, but I, you know, it, can you come help me? And then that brings in that co-teaching, that co-planning, um, that that lesson that you guys can then build together and move forward. Yeah. And I know, yeah. Oh, go ahead. And I know. Oh, well, I was just gonna say Sorry. about we're all talking at the same time. <laughs> the the as far as like them reaching out to us, our our big thing is we have. Oh, gosh, we were doing a count. I think it's. 32 plus eight, we're at like 50 schools, maybe 
and that's in that's K twelve, and I I want to say a large percentage don't even know we exist as far as a, a ed tech team, so we're trying to get the word out. You know, hey, these are the things that we're providing for you. This is what we're here for, and we're going up against a wall. Oh, teachers are getting too many emails, so we're only going doing sending out one email a, a week or every other week to teachers and we'll list the stuff in it and as far as i'm i mean if when i was a teacher i just got rid of those i didn't open them and read them but if i saw something that said from the ed tech team i'd be like we have an ed tech team what you know and open it up and like oh cool um so i think a lot of it is just them not knowing that the that we exist or that PD exists uh, in the larger districts or larger schools, that that support is actually there for them. I was just going to bounce off of what Ashley was saying too about the coaching. It's just that's that on the job training. And we were talking about how teachers have that little bit of fear, like, oh, I don't know if I want to try it or I don't, I don't think it's going to work. But if they do it when the coach is in the room, then they're more apt to do it again and do it more successfully or have more confidence in being able to do it without the coach there because they did that training or they did that lesson and the coach was right there. And so it really helps to boost the confidence of the teachers too, because you can kind of co-teach and show them how to do it. And then when you're not there, they can take that risk probably more frequently because they've at least seen you do it. And also probably see you make the mistake. I think it's important too for the teachers to see the coach make the mistake and, you know, have that happen. Just like we tell the kids, you know, your, uh, your mistake is your first attempt at learning. This same thing with, you know, anything that you're doing with technology, it's okay to try it and fail and still be able to keep going and to be able to see someone else do that, you know, just helps to build that confidence of it doesn't have to be perfect, but at least gives me the ability to try. And I think, you know, building on that, there were many times where I would teach my teachers a tech tool and I would, so for example, I'd use like Paradex Flashcard Factory. Well, the first time I came in, the teacher would watch me te teach it. The second time I would come in, I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to support you and, you know, gradually scaffold and take that extra support away so that the teachers are able to try things in a very safe environment and, you know, and learning things that they can use in multiple contexts is also really important because if I teach a teacher how to use flashcard factory for, you know, an English lesson, well, they might be able to use it for math too, or they might be able to use it for social studies. So you want to teach and make sure that the tools that we're focusing on are ones that they can use in multiple contexts, because that's much more powerful than teaching them a tool that's only good for one specific reason. Well, I hate to I hate to break us up, everybody, but I think we're getting close to um, uh, we're getting close to the end. Um, so I really appreciate everybody here. And if does anybody have any last minute advice or thoughts about why every school should have an ed tech coach that they haven't had to say have had a chance to say yet? Well, if we didn't have our tech coaches, I wouldn't have a job. And I wouldn't get to do all the cool stuff that I do. <laughs> I, I like what I do. Yeah, and, and just again, that, that education technology isn't IT, right? That there's 
you know, it, it, there's a really big dis difference between knowing how to use the program and um, helping teachers teach with the program and through a program and the learning piece isn't the same as the tech piece. And so that's just so important. That's my big takeaway. Well, I just want to say thank you. I have a meeting tomorrow about a possible pilot for a tech coach. So wish me luck. <laughs> this is good for you. I was writing things down too. So this is good information. So I appreciate all of you very much. And thank you, Ashley, for pulling this all together for sure. Well, thank you all very much. And I appreciate it. If you're interested in joining my podcast and talking about anything that has to do with ed tech coaching, come on over to edtechcoachingprimer.com, click on the podcast blog link, and fill out the form. I'd love to have you.